I'm a technology junkie, man. I love it. I think it's uh, I think it's great, but I also believe that it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I, I think uh, we're inundated and overwhelmed with with tech and data and all this stuff. Uh, for me, the bottom line, it's it's a great tool. It, it's feedback, but it will never take the place of of human contact and human interaction and kind of the intuitive feel that a coach develops over time. Sports science, strength and conditioning, high performance coaching. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Vaud Performance, the makers of the Nordboard. If you haven't checked out their website yet, I highly suggest you head over there, whether it's return to play, injury prevention, or just plain performance testing. Vaud Performance has the tools that you need. Check them out at vaudperformance.com. Today on the show, I'm joined with Director of Performance for Liberty Men's Basketball, Henry Barrera. Prior to Henry's time at Liberty Men's Basketball, he was a performance training specialist at Nike World Headquarters in Beaverton. While at Nike, he was instrumental in designing training content for multiple projects, including the Jordan Brands Terminal 23 in New York and the Hangar in Los Angeles. This is a wide-ranging conversation that discusses performance model and the systems and strategies he implements at Liberty to help his student-athletes achieve a greater level of training success. We discuss performance technologies, including HRV and First Beat. We discuss elements of his performance model uh, as it ranges from the physiological work that he does with his student-athletes to the psychological approaches and frameworks that he utilizes to bring out the best of applied sports psychology modalities. He shares his own personal journey within coaching and how he developed the culture and how he takes a long-term athletic development model to his student-athletes. This is a tremendous conversation, and I appreciate uh, Henry's time. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Coach Henry Barrera. Coach, how's it going? Good morning. What's up, Adam? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well, man. I uh, it's it's for us. It's first round NCAA basketball, so it is uh, getting kind of crazy for us. But uh, you know, I'm excited for today, and so the excitement here is uh, is pretty darn high. How are things uh, in your neck of the woods, man? Things are great, man. I, I wish uh, we were in the NCAA tournament as well, but uh, you know, we fell a little short. We're playing in the CIT, so. Uh, any postseason play is is fun, so you know I'm I'm excited for this time of year. Yeah, like it's hard not to get excited for this part. It's uh it's the uh, the magic of postseason play. I mean that's why you know everybody spends so much time there as they do during training and summer and throughout the fall to uh, to make it anywhere in postseason. So the fact that anyone is still playing in March is uh is a, a testament to its own self, man. So um, hey, I, uh, I I wanted to bring you on because I think there's a couple things that that really resonate when I was going through and, and obviously on social media. And I think that you're doing some tremendous work at Liberty. Uh, and I want to discuss some of that today um, as far as some of the performance models and some of the systems that you have set up and what you're doing with the men's basketball team and kind of having a show that's a little bit in sort of the March Madness spirit, a little bit of basketball uh, centric. So, um, even though there was a little bit of a bio, I'd love to kind of have you fill in the audience about what you're currently up to, what your your current role is, 
and maybe a little bit of the history of what got you there and, and your own sort of individual coaching journey, if you will. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I love, uh, well, first, thanks for, thanks for having me. I, I love what you're doing. I think it's pushing uh, just the profession and, and challenging people to be better. So props to you. I, I appreciate the work you're doing there. Um, yeah, so quick, just a 30-second uh, kind of in a nutshell. I've been at Liberty for about two years. Uh, initially came in just to work with men's basketball, and uh, things have kind of evolved. So now, technically, I'm uh, the co-director of Olympic Sports and Performance with uh, Shelton Stevens, who I think is uh, just legit. I think he's really good. Uh, and so I'll kind of move into a role of sports performance, human performance over the next year, really laying this foundation of a performance model. And that's, uh, again, I mean, I, I see that all the time that, you know, coaches kind of come in, they start immediately working with one sport. And then, you know, other coaches within the organization start to recognize some of the great things you're doing with one sport and want to apply some of the same models to their own respective sports. And with that, I'd love for us to uh, to maybe explore that performance model that you have set up or you've continued to evolve uh, at Liberty and, and maybe the genesis of that through your various other stops at other organizations, universities, and et cetera. Uh, can you describe a little bit of detail of some of the things that you're doing from that performance model, uh, what you're doing at Liberty? Yeah, for sure. I think uh... – you know, I think I'm just going to kind of take it back a little bit, give you a little history of, of where I've been and what I've done. Uh, so I, I played college basketball, and I was always looking for uh, a way to get better, a way to compete. You know, I'm I'm 5'7 on a good day, uh, so I had to find a way to bridge the gap. And, uh, you know, my parents were people who, whatever you wanted to do, they were going to put you in a position where you could, you could do that. So... Um, Played four years of college ball, ended up playing one year overseas in Sweden. And, you know, for me, the, the, the curiosity of what can I do with my body and how can I bridge this gap really set the tone for what I do, who I am, how I live my life. Uh, so, so it's just kind of the evolution of, of uh, something that's really personal to me. Really, I'm really passionate about it. So that's the basis for the performance model. So, and again, based on your sort of professional experience and your time in Sweden, I mean, what uh, if you were to juxtapose maybe your own personal training at that time in our own sort of personal uh, pursuit, whether it's athletics or coaching, what were some of the differences that you saw in the way that you conducted or or was coached uh, by other people versus maybe some of the systems that you're trying to establish um, at your university. Yeah, that's great. So I, I think the biggest thing is is back then. So I'm I'm going to be 40 here in in a, at the end of March. Um, so you know back then I I think it was just go as hard as you can every single day. You know that's the only way you're going to get better. So there's no rest days. There's no off days. You're just doing what you do and you know beating yourself you know as much as possible. And so I think the biggest change and shift has been this this idea of holistic training and, and coming at training from multiple uh, vantage points, if you, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I think probably the, the genesis of this performance model happened back then. It was the need for us, for me, to get better. Uh, and I think you know this. When you're at a mid-major or you know, you're somewhat of a, a quote-unquote underdog, you're looking for every little advantage. You, know, you, you want to you look for any way to put student-athletes in a position where they can have success, where they can really push. 
So I, I think that's really the story of our lives, man. You're trying to get better, uh, you know, just through this podcast. I'm trying to get better. We're all trying to find ways to to serve and, and push our athletes. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I completely relate to it. I think, you know, on a uh, on one level that the athletes that we continue to bring in are exceptional young men and women. And uh, that's a testament to the character and the, the people and the coaching staff going out through talent identification and recruiting. But when they're involved in our program, then we absolutely have to uh, develop the athletes. I mean, we won't have very many, if ever, in the history of, of Wichita State, one and dones. So it's crucial. So um, I, I would completely agree with what you said. I mean, I think the days of... Uh, training as hard as you can for as long as you can without any sort of understanding of this sort of training stress balance and recovery balance uh, hopefully are, are starting to fall by the wayside. With that, what are some of the things that you've recognized? I mean, as you've gone through this evolution between not only training hard, but the need and the importance of recovery, what are some of the uh, examples or the ways that you guys are balancing the practice demands, the training demands with the recovery and rejuvenation that you guys need? Yeah, that's, man, this is going to get deep today, man. I can feel it already. So I, I think uh, I think just really living life, man. If I if I look at the last 20 years of my life, I've, I've really been around, uh, you know, 15 to 25 year old athletes at in some capacity, you know, so it, it's. It's seeing how we all live life. And to me, the question is, what's possible if everything comes together for you? So if you start to put these things together, which we'll probably get into the, the mindset, the sleep, the nutrition, the training, the readiness, and how do you balance and, and manage those things? I think that's going to be that's where the money's at. That's that, that's where you're going to make the biggest improvements. You're going to accelerate improvement. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's three stables in my life. I ask questions. I pursue answers and, and I try to connect the dots and those are the things that you know within this uh it helps us balance the training it, it helps us ask questions you know if if if, a, if you have a training session and you know three kids come in and say hey my back hurts or or you know i have a weird pain in, in my shoulder then it's time to step back and, and kind of analyze what we're doing you know is it working is it not working how can we get better does that does that kind of answer your question a little bit or we can we can keep going on that. Yeah, no, I mean we we're, we'll go down this rabbit hole as we see fit. But I love the uh, I love the response. I mean, I think so many of us sometimes go through a training sort of coaching session and aren't constantly evaluating the program, the system, the efficiencies or inefficiencies of it. So I love the fact that you have this beginner's mindset of always asking questions, always listening to what the responses are and connecting those dots. How, uh, in the evolution of your coaching journey, um, from a young coach, you talked about turning 40 here soon. How has your ability to listen change, which I think is a very undervalued skill and an underdeveloped skill in the interns and young coaches I bring into our program, uh, how is that maturation and uh, that sort of journey into asking better questions and being able to listen? How has that evolved over your years? Yeah, that's a, that's so big, Adam. Uh, man, I think as a young coach, you know, you want so bad to to be good and, and to to make an impact. Uh, you know that you kind of rush. So I think the evolution, you know, it's like a fine wine, it just gets better and better. You know, you 
you learn how to, you know, take the good with the bad and, and really, uh, it's self-examination, you know, you, you're going to be humbled at time at times. Uh, and so it's learning from every experience, you know, every, you know, education piece, every, every little engagement with student athletes, it's, it's, it's just being observant, you know? So for me, the biggest evolution has been to, to step back and really, um, look at things more holistically and how one thing affects other and how there's an integrated system to, to what we're doing. What I love that you said, uh, which I think I, again, I'm just going to clarify it because I think it's so powerful is that it, I think it takes humility. It takes being humble. And, uh, and I see this and I think this is sort of, um, a critical flaw of our industry. And, you know, I know we're in it, so I feel like we have at least the, uh, the vantage point to be critical of our industry, but there's a lot of artificial egotism and machoism of this. And I think, you know, like a book like Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy, it takes a, a, a humble coach to recognize that, um, you know, not everything is perfect. You're going to continue to evolve, continue to ask better questions, continue to listen to the feedback that's not being soft, that's not being. Uh, fragile or not setting your your athletes up for success that's being flexible in this day of age of of training athletes and being um uh you know ability to to bend and move and and uh flexible to what the needs and the demands are i think that's that's i just wanted to to highlight that because i do think that's uh, a very important quality and something that i i certainly respect in you 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 spoke about a holistic approach to training in your in your own words i mean what what does that mean for you and how has that evolved i guess over the last couple years of your your last let's say 5 to 10 years of coaching uh, yeah I, I think uh i think that's kind of the 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 foundation of a of a performance model right so for me, there's kind of three tiers to it. One is is a foundation. Um, it's 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 to cultivate culture daily, um, and kind of I'm having I'm a really visual guy, Adam. So you're gonna crack up. I'm sitting in the, in the library. You know, I got a I'm in a room with all white whiteboard walls all around. So I wrote a couple of thoughts down. I'll send you a picture. You're gonna you're gonna probably laugh, but that's okay. Oh, I yeah. love it. So anyway, I have this vision in, in my head of of culture being like the fascia within our body, right? It holds everything together. It's the integrated piece that, that brings everything together. So uh, that being said, I don't want to get too far off track, but a foundation cultivating the culture and then the big picture, you know, this long-term athletic development, you hit on it with uh, players that we get at, at Wichita State or Liberty are going to be around for four years. So it's that big picture. And then probably the third piece of that is really helping them and, and ourselves really push boundaries, explore the limits of, you know, our capabilities, our abilities. So that, that's kind of the three if, if, if I had to put it into, you know, three points, that that would be it. No, I think I, I love the fact that, you know, and I see it that organizations will rush out to adopt and to acquire a particular technology because that's cutting edge or that's that's in vogue or whatever um, without sort of the prerequisite of developing the cultural aspects of what it means to to take care of their business, the standards, the operations, the 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 fascia of the organization or the culture um and just chase technology so i love the fact that when you share that that that's the foundation that's the bottom of the pyramid and then the need to develop 
otherwise the student athletes that are within it and built upon that culture is that LT, uh, that LTAD approach of slow cooking athletes through four years to help optimize various inefficiencies or uh, performance limiting factors of their athletic performance and then to push boundaries. I love that because so much of this field I think is in drastic need of evolution and looking outside and borrowing from the fringes of other sort of uh, industries and organizations and borrowing strategies, whether it's leadership or innovation or or technology or uh, system management approaches. So to kind of bring this all back in, I mean, you talked a little bit about um, some of the nuts and bolts of this uh, performance model. You, you already spoke about um, optimizing sleep and talking about the importance of recovery. I'm sure nutrition and the physical at, uh, attributes. And, and at WSU, we also have a, uh, a high performance model that, that kind of goes through some of these things. So if you would, and you feel comfortable sharing a little bit, I mean, I would love to kind of know what the big pictures are, your big rocks, as far as some of the things that you discuss with your student athletes or your coaching staff or administration when you went about the evolution of, of creating and putting it putting in place or integrating this performance uh, model at Liberty. Yeah, that was well said. That was really, really good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm here taking notes. I got my journal out, you know, I, I, so I'm writing thoughts down. Um, so a couple things, man. I, I look at what we do. I have, like I said, I have four kids, so I'm always trying to give them nuggets, you know, and I think one of the things that, that resonates at our at our household is, uh, learning how to earn, you know, what does it mean to be elite and how do you get there? So it's really this idea of earning that piece, uh, earning what you get. So, uh, so I'm going to give you just a quick overview. So mindset, uh, that to us is the psychological framework that makes up who you are, how you see the world, but really more importantly is how you operate within that context. And that's, you know, pretty much stolen from uh, Michael Gervais and finding mastery, um, uh, during my time at Nike, I was exposed to a lot of high-level people, and he was one of those guys. So he has been great, you know, in, in communication. And you know, his his podcast is a good one for for you know anybody listening to this as well. Uh, sleep sleep is really the foundation of, of recovery, you know, for the for the body, mind, and soul. Um, you know, and, and at, at a place like Liberty, I think uh, the spiritual aspect plays such a big role in what we do on a on a day-to-day basis, and that's you know, a whole, whole nother rabbit hole we can go down to if you want to know a little bit more about that. Uh, nutrition, that's just fueling performance. You know, we have a, a, a sports nutrition expert here on campus who we refer to, you know, our student athletes and, and try to get them on, on the same page. Uh, training is where, you know, you and I kind of get excited about this, how, how, we're, how we're building training, uh, integrating the sports performance uh, really uh, into building our athletes. And then the readiness piece is, is just a proactive approach to stress, you know, to stress management and lifestyle management. So I hope that kind of gives you the kind of the, the big picture and we can tear those apart and love to hear your thoughts because I know that you've done a lot in this area. And uh, that's why I was so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, no, look, I, uh, I am always, again, likewise with you. I mean, obviously I have my notebook out and I'm taking notes because I just, I, I think, you know, leaders are learners and the more that you can, uh, uh, read and, and take notes and listen and, and follow what is otherwise the advice other people are giving, the better you'll become as a practitioner. And, uh, 
and you touched upon it. I, I love the fact that you have this uh, applied sport psychology or psychological approach, call it whatever you will, mindset, um, that borrowing from Michael Gervais, who I think is just an exceptional human being, uh, a tremendous communicator. Uh, again, I, I, I will champion the same thoughts that you shared. I mean, Finding Mastery is a, a podcast that I listen to repetitively just because of the consistency and his interview style, which I think we can all become better uh, interviewers. And thus the reason sort of of this Decoding uh, Excellence show is to learn how to ask better questions for me. But I love, and again, I think you being around sort of the Oregon area and your time uh, at Nike, I mean, absolutely, you were exposed to some tremendous mentors and people and high-level thinkers uh, on the West Coast. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I, our same model, you know, touches upon the physical at- attributes of training, and that's sort of our day job, right? The X's and O's of being a strength conditioning professional and a performance coach, and borrowing the mindset from the psychological approach is important. Um, I, in my time, I mean, a person that I tremendously look up to is uh, Dr. Andy Walsh from from back back in the days of uh, the United States ski and snowboard, but now certainly at Red Bull High Performance. In their model, I mean, they had uh, uh, two factors of which I've just struggled to implement at, uh, at this university, which is sort of that spirituality portion and then sort of what they call their X factor or that innovation factor. I'd, I'd actually love to kind of go down that route and go down the road because I think it's intriguing to me and hopefully to the listening audience what you guys are doing in that spirituality because that's just not um, an attribute that I've really explored much. So I'd love for you to expand a little bit on that too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think uh, I think first one of the things that's been really, really beneficial for me is, is uh, we, we've kind of partnered with our psychology department um, I, I've been meeting two or three times a week with uh, Dr. Ben Wood, who's a professor here at Liberty, um, and he's he's in route to the you know to another master's degree in, in sports psychology. So really, we sit in my office and we talk two to three times a week, maybe you know ten to thirty minutes, whatever you know whatever the day brings. Uh, so he's we've just kind of hit it off, but yeah, going down the the, the, the spirituality piece, I think uh, you know Liberty is a Christian university. Uh, you know, I, I'm a believer in God. Uh, and, and so I think I think uh, we have pillars within our basketball program. Uh, you know, so everybody's got pillars: play hard, play smart, play together, play with purpose. So to play hard for us means compete, give your very best. To play smart means accountability with discipline. Together means we over me, and then purpose is pr- kind of what we're talking about. That's the audience of one. So uh, I think it's it, we, we have a little more freedom at liberty if you're a person of faith to share that and to live that. I think there's a flip side to that where we're in a place where you, you're you're fed so much of that that it can, it can become overwhelming at times, you know. So there's a fine line of of uh, making that come to life and, and making it real and authentic and genuine in your own life. Um, so I hope that answers a little bit. But keep asking questions, man. I, I love this. I love the love the dialogue. I love the the questions you're asking. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's interesting in the aspects, you know, whether 
your personal faith or whether your beliefs might differ from the teammate to the next, next to the left of you or to the right of you. I think what's important that is a sense of purpose of potentially playing uh, for something that's greater than you. And that could be your own spiritual beliefs or that could be the sense of playing for your teammates or playing for the organization or the, the name on the front of your jersey versus the back of your jersey. And just getting the uh, idea of being a little bit less selfish and moving the the purpose of why you play to a selfless uh, endeavor, I think, is a, is a powerful approach to it. I'd love to kind of turn this around a little bit. I know we're, again... Maybe it's uh, it will be <laughs> confusing for the listening audience to kind of jump forward and jump back. But exploring your coaching journey, I mean, were there people that in your life, I mean, significant mentors, people that that pushed you to think the way that you do and people that you you owe, you know, whether a debt of gratitude for for setting you up for the success that you've had? Definitely, man. I don't think any of us get anywhere without uh, the people in our lives. That's that's so big time. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, I, I attribute a lot of of what I do and who I am to my time at Nike. You know, I was there for about uh, seven or eight years. Um, so I got to spend time around guys like Patrick Ward and Keith Emilio, uh, and I was just fortunate to pick their brains and see how they operated. You know, I didn't get a ton of time around them, but when I did, I took advantage of it. And uh, probably the guys that are my sounding boards right now are guys like Bobby Stroop from APEC in Texas, uh, Alex Molden. He's one of my best friends. You know, he played in the NFL for nine or 10 years. And, you know, we talk as often as possible about training, about life, about anything and everything. And then Josh Carruthers is another guy that I think is doing really, really good work um, as well. And these are all guys that, you know, that we live life uh, at Nike together. So it, 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 you know, you just learn from watching and asking questions and observing. So, yeah. You know, what What I found fascinating and in, in certainly in my own sort of evolution, you know, Keith uh, at Nike and sort of the being sort of instrumental in the approach with Nike Spark and the creation of sort of a, an index of sort of key performance metrics and a wide variety of different sort of physiological field tests uh, Patrick Ward uh, obviously speaks for himself and sort of the reputation that he has and just as far as a, a creative mind and thinker and uh, a brilliant sport uh, scientist. So you were certainly around uh, a lot of influential people, people that are still in the game. So, um, you know, I, I absolutely have to imagine that that helped shape your path and sort of uh, molded maybe your ability to uh, to think the way that you do, I I and I know this is an impossible question to answer, but I'm just kind of curious. I mean, is it? Do you find yourself thinking that you know the chicken versus the egg, the nature versus the nurture? I mean, were, did these guys help shape the way you think, or do you think that you maybe resonated and gravitated to this environment, this sort of innovation of uh, the Nike organization because that's the way you already thought? And these people really resonated and uh, found a common place. Yeah, no doubt, man. These guys for sure challenged me to think outside the box. Uh, you know, if you've ever spent any time around uh, Patrick Ward, that dude is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Like he he is brilliant, you know. And uh, so just just being around people like that, you know, it, it's very, very humbling, but it's also challenging, you know. So we all have our our different path and we all run our own race 
you know, and I think uh, a lot of times there's so much information out, you know, and, and we can get caught up in this trap of comparing ourselves to other people when, when in reality, like our job is to do our job, you know, and, and that's it. So we can learn and, and we can be shaped and all that. Uh, and, and I'm very, very appreciative, you know, for any time and any, you know, any, anything that I learned from, from anybody really. But I think, um, we just have to continue to get better at what we do. You know, we have to take from all resources. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm a, I can't wait to listen to this and, and think about things that, uh, maybe I wasn't thinking before. So yeah, uh, just that, that's good stuff. You know, to certainly in the beginning of the show, we, we discussed sort of the wide ranging topics of using this performance model and the evolution of your own sort of background and, and pathway into coaching through your various stops and now at, at Liberty. I would love to to kind of bring this full circle and start talking a little bit about the basketball aspects of it. So when you have a, a college freshman arrive, whether it's, you know, a six foot four, six five post or you know, a six one, five eleven guard, or whatever it might be. What are the some? What are some of the the commonalities that you see now that I'm sure we both can relate to? That a uh, a nineteen year old college freshman rolling in. Uh, what are they missing in that holistic model, that piece, and where do you start? Sort of at square one to help build the lifestyle and all the integrative approaches of developing a robust, full round holistic basketball athlete in this sort of 21st century? Great question. Uh, I think first I'm always uh, a little taken aback by how little they know about training, given the age that we live in and the, you know, thousands upon thousands of so-called experts. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bit taken aback by, by, you know, freshmen coming in for the most part. Uh, I think, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm a big acronym guy in a big like three A's three D's whatever so awareness is number one I'm gonna give you three A's here awareness like do you know what is expected that's that's awareness to me uh, and then accountability is is a objective feedback like is there a way that you're keeping yourself accountable or that you we're as a staff keeping you accountable and then action is you you can't get around doing the work you know so I think as freshmen come in it's just kind of a giving them this big picture and not overwhelming them, but but giving them a picture of like this is this is kind of what's expected. These are all the pieces. We're going to help you. We're going to support you in bringing these pieces together. You know, so I, I I don't even think the training is actually the most important part. It's teaching young athletes how to live life and how to manage their energy and their time. I think the awareness piece certainly is something that. While a lot of college freshmen or or whomever, you know, whether it's a junior college transfer or whatever, they come into the program with very wide eyes, you know, wanting to be a starter, wanting to be an impact player, but doesn't also understand that to be a significant uh, to, to play a significant contribution to the team, it is a 24 hour yeah, job. No doubt. You might not be training for 24 hours. But the way that you have to manage your affairs, your social life, your academic life, your recovery, the training room, the rehab you need to do, the training, the putting shots up, to be successful at this highly competitive uh, uh, level, it's 24 hours. There's no, there is literally no days off and no time off. Um, so I, I'm, just, I'm likewise with you. I'm blown away that 
there is that sort of lack of awareness despite literally going anywhere, uh, whether it's online or elsewhere, and finding access to good or bad information uh, as well. So when you have that, and I love the three A's, the awareness, the accountability, the action, how do you go from taking a you know, a college freshman, like likewise in this continuation of this model, and you start to apply the training, you start to discuss maybe the, the, the psychological approaches, the mindset, if you will. Um, what, are the, what are some of the steps, whether it's, you know, from a psychological approach, whether it's a nutritional approach, whether it's the lifestyle of what it takes to be successful, what are some of the nuggets that you might share uh, if this was a 10-minute, five-minute conversation with a college freshman that has no clue about the various aspects of an integrated performance model. Yeah, I love that. I, I think uh, the way that I do life, the way that I live life is uh, in community. And, you know, man, I, I, I just I love, I love the guys I'm working with, both from a, a staff perspective and our players. Uh, and so I think it's doing life with them. It, it's, it's saying it's, it's built on this mentorship, uh, you know, idea or concept where you're taking a guy under, under your wing and saying, Hey, this is how you do it. You know, you watch me, you know, you watch the guys that have been around, uh, you, you watch, you know, how they prepare, you know? So I, I do everything from, you know, I, I make little audio clips. I send them to my guys, uh, just reminders, man. I think life is so layered, you know, so you have to, every day you're adding another layer of, you know, what you're about, you know, and that could be good or bad. Uh, but, but it's, it's just a constant, man, constant accountability, asking people. I think we've, we've kind of got away from, from getting in each other's lives and, and that can be uncomfortable at times, you know, to have someone in your life. And I, I know for me, when people are constantly asking me what, what's going on here and, and how you doing here, uh, you know, that can be uncomfortable at times, but, but that's necessary. You know, if we're going to grow, we got to be pushed. And, and I think a lot of that is the social aspect of it. I was having a conversation with uh, Coach Greg Adamson at University of Tennessee. And one of the things that really resonated from this talk was he shared that, you know, in, in his sort of pursuits of social media, that before he sends anything out, social media, tweet, whatever, he wants to make five touch points with a student athlete. So it's like a five to one ratio. And what I love about that is it sort of it's a system, right? In which we'll start talking about maybe the system based approach and some of the strategies. But it's his own personal system of continuing to stay in communication with the student athletes. And I love the fact that you share clips, that you stay involved in their lives, that you reach out to people and you continue to have a dialogue and a communication with your athletes, because as we sort of certainly within the time of this airing. I mean, uh, you know, Conscious Coaching and Brett Bartholomew's books coming out as far as building buy-in. Well, there's no better way of building buy-in than continuing to have a relationship with a student athlete. Um, so I love that that sort of approach to it. Um, to, to kind of circle back around, you talk about maybe a system-based approach, and at least in our, our pre-show notes, I, I'd love to kind of talk about maybe some of the systems that you guys employ. And it could be, you know, technical, tactical X's and O's of strength and conditioning. It could be systems that help athletes improve sleep or recovery or regeneration, nutritional systems, I, anything. I mean, I'm kind of giving you the uh, giving you the floor to, to share some of the wisdom and experiences of, of what you do at Liberty. Yeah, I think the 
first thing that comes to mind is building that stuff into your training or, or everyday life. So, for example, we have convocation three times a week that our student athletes are required to be at, uh, kind of like it or not. So that's a good thing and a bad thing. They, they do a great job bringing in speakers and, and keeping it engaging. But, uh, you know, so those three days a week, we do a quick recovery test. We use uh, First Speed. Um, so at, at about 10.15, all my guys congregate in the locker room. Uh, we turn the lights out and we five minutes just laying down and we're just gathering that information and, and seeing how guys are recovering day to day. So we get uh, at least three days a week that, um, you know, I, I've kind of experimented with surveys and questionnaires uh, based on, you know, the five pillars for us, mindset, how you doing today, how you feeling, scale of one to five, scale of one to 10. And we've tweaked it. And there's some, you know, there's some uh, models that are out that you can look at. But uh, so, yeah, we just uh, with sleep. We I experiment so much, Adam. Uh, we used HRV for training for a little while where guys would input their sleep. It's not the most accurate way, but again, it, it raises awareness. You know, uh, we, we've really started to do these little mini workshops within our community at Liberty where, where we'll go over to the to the track facility or to where track meets and we'll do a, a session on sports psych or, or we'll do a session on nutrition. Um so we're, we're trying to build this stuff in. Uh, the other thing that I, I've kind of been doing and experimenting with is I'll build my testing into our, our weekly training. So every week on Monday, you might, you might, uh, you know, do a vertical jump test just to, just so I can see kind of the, the, the correlations and the trends that are happening, you know, week to week, uh, month to month. No, I think a couple of things really resonate from what you shared, uh, is, the the fact of obviously monitoring and measuring, right? If you're trying to get um, any sort of result, I think the easiest way, I mean, Peter Drucker said it from a business management standpoint that uh, we manage what we measure. Um, so to actually measure, um, you know, whether it's HRV or the heart rate responses or the readiness of your student athletes is a critical factor of understanding and managing their ability to balance this training recovery uh, stress management and then uh, having some experience with using first B and HRV in our own training I love the fact that the workshops or whether I mean we could go down some wellness questionnaire standpoints but I think the workshops are a tremendous way of advocating and educating for a variety of different modalities of of you know sport performance whether it is you know, a workshop centric around sleep or nutrition or, you know, visualization or self-talk. It can be a very cost effective way that doesn't that isn't technologically dependent to implement and change athletes behaviors when you have that buy in and you provide that educational approach. It certainly takes time. It certainly takes labor. But if you're a university that might be like maybe like yours, I don't know, like certainly with ours that, that has to sort of balance, balance the fiscal sort of, uh, constraints of things, then you find yourself trying to find cost effective ways of delivering the same information without necessarily acquiring pricey technologies. So, um, and then lastly, you talked, uh, you, you certainly talked about the wellness questionnaires and that's something that, that I rely pretty heavily on here at Wichita State, just because it is again, it's it's free. You don't need, you know. While there are some consumer markets with Coach Me Plus and Smartabase and and some other really um, 
good athlete management systems to implement some of these things. A Google Docs sheet or a, um, a Qualtrics survey is free, and for most people, can acquire those through their university from a research standpoint. So, um, I'd love to talk. I mean, you, you you touched upon sort of sport performance technologies, which I think is is sort of uh, in style right now for a lot of people trying to uh, objectively measure their impact as a coach. Are there are there any other technologies you guys are looking to use, are using, experimenting with? You talked about kind of experimenting a lot, but I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on sort of where we're at as, as an industry in this sort of technological uh, bubble that we might be living in. Yeah, that's great. So I, first off, I think um, I'm a technology junkie, man. I love it. I think it's, uh, I think it's great, but I also believe that it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I, I think uh, we're inundated and overwhelmed with with tech and data and all this stuff. Uh, for me, the bottom line is it's 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 a great tool. It's it's feedback, but it will never take the place of of human contact and human interaction, and kind of the intuitive feel that a coach develops over time. Um, so I, I think it has its place, but I I don't think it it it's gonna, you know, it just has to be used in, in a in a smart way. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, for us, uh, when I came in, I, I thought heart rate, um, live heart rate tracking was important. So I, I purchased uh, on my own like 15 units of a Polar Indoor Team app, just so we could kind of get the ball rolling. And um, you know, so we we just tracked live heart rates. We we projected them onto a screen in the gym and just uh, showed coach what we could do with that. And then from there, we kind of took the next step and, and we did elite HRV, which we'd have guys, you know, do a, an a HRV test, quick recovery kind of test. Um, and we tracked that over time. So we just uh, really just gathering information, data and, and seeing how we could use it. And then we kind of evolved from there. So we've been kind of just slowly evolving in our, our technology. And uh, now we use first beat, like I said, um, and I think it's really valuable. I just think it's valuable for guys to see how they're responding and adapting to stress in life, you know, that be physical uh, or, or psychological. You know, what, what's really powerful about measuring it, right? You have the practitioner side, like you and I, that uses that information in a way to particularly intervene with the training uh, approach that we might take with a student athlete, but maybe not necessarily recognized by a lot of people. But the other end of the scope, which is the student athlete and that learned behavior of recognizing how much their sleep impacts their HRV score or how much their anxiety or their social or academic stressors impacts their HRV. And I think that is maybe justifies the cost as well. So that when you are as a coach are saying, hey, we need to get the importance of, of seven, you know, eight, nine hours of sleep a night. We need to be trying to eat three square meals and snacking throughout the day. And it should have protein and fat and carbohydrates. And we go on and on and on from our pedestal talking about some of the uh, the approaches that it takes to be successful at a high level. They get to see it. They get to actually see the number as it uh, you know, moves up or moves down based on a variety of different factors. And I think that's a powerful visualization for for what the student athlete needs this day, right? They need to see it, not just believe whatever a coach is saying. I 100% agree, Adam. I think you're right on there. I think, uh, you know, this generation, and, and, and really, I mean, we're, we're, we're such uh, 
multifaceted learners. You know, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. This integrated approach to how we take in and consume information is important. You know, like you're going to have learners that are that are more visual. You're going to have learners that are more uh, kinesthetic, audible, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I think uh, for sure in this generation, one of my biggest aha moments is going in the locker room and, and having, you know, 12 of our 15 guys on a on a device, you know, whether that's Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. And I love that stuff. You know, uh, I, I just think the way that we deliver information has to has to be engaging and it has to be in a way that they can consume it. Oh man, you uh, you, you spoke and it sounded like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk from uh, Vaynerchuk Media. And the reason I say that is because so much of his sort of uh, advertising sort of way, philosophy, is to meet the consumer where they're at, right? And I think so much in education where we're resistant of that, that the way that I learned when I was growing up in the 80s or the 70s or whatever generation you learn grew up, that that's the way I'm going to teach. And I think now we have to recognize that the athletes and the students and the, the, the pupils, if you will, are they're in a different society. There's different ways of reaching them. And that might be Snapchat. That might be Instagram. That might be Facebook. And it's not what we want as a coach, perhaps, or as an educator, but we have to recognize the hard truths that these are where the athletes are at and our education and the the way that we reach them might be a different approach than what it was 5, 10, 15 years ago. Adam, you're dropping bombs, brother. That was good. That was really good. You said it, and I, I think you're absolutely right on the money when you talk about technology being both a blessing and a curse because I uh, I think it's very easy to get into a trap of saying, hey, we don't have uh, um, we don't have velocity-based training here. We can't acquire you know the the latest workload monitoring technologies and accelerometries and GPS technologies. And I think, wow, that can be, you know, that's sort of self-fulfilling, right, to go down that pathway and, and to blame, complain, and defend. But what's a smarter approach is understanding that there are different ways that you can monitor these things through cost-effective ways like session RPE, through wellness questionnaires, through constant communication with your student-athletes to get both an internal and external measures of the workloads that they do. And I love the fact, and I think this is a a critical point that you shared of building your testing modalities into your training environment. So you're not wasting a training session, but you're constantly keeping your thumb on the pulse uh, to their physiological readiness and changes. And I think that's brilliant and and something that uh, as I've listened and, and shared with other people that a lot of expert coaches are continuing to make the training the test and the test the training and I, I love to hear that because it sort of um, validates and or at least makes me feel like what we're doing is is working as well um, I'd like to maybe turn the the last little portion of this thing around and center it a little bit on you because we've we've discussed technology we've talked we touched upon sort of reaching the athletes where they're at and and the various sort of performance models but as we kind of come towards the uh, the end of this, you know, when you talk and when you think of, right, if this was word association, um, and this is obviously the, the Decoding Excellence show, but with excellence, whether it's a coach or an athlete, a husband, a father, 
I mean, what does what does a word like excellence means to you? Man, that's a that's a good question. That's a deep question. So to me, excellence is is bringing your very best, man. I talked about everybody running their own race earlier, and I think. Uh, you know, we can get caught up in this track of comparing. Like, I have to be the best that I can be. And so I think every day it's waking up uh, trying to be the best version of yourself. And that could probably be, probably be a little cliche right now, you know, with all the, all the quotes dropping everywhere and all this stuff. But really, man, it's just uh, it's pursuing your, your very best. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, competing on a daily basis to be the best that you can be. And so that's my off the cuff definition of excellence. I loved your response because so much of my coaching philosophy, um, very sort of West Coast guy and influenced by um, Pete Carroll is that relentless pursuit for a competitive edge. And then obviously with Patrick and uh, and some of the smart guys working in the Seahawks, Michael Gervais and sort of that Nike sort of pathway that seemed to to resonate out there in the Oregon area and the West Coast. you know, with Pete's sort of philosophy of that relentless pursuit, where wherever you're at, whether you're at a, you know, a high school coach, whether you're coaching in summer camp or you're, you know, junior college, division two, II, division three, II, division one, mid major, power five, it is making the very best of what you can, where where you're at, with the resources you have, and continuing in a pursuit for excellence. Um, is I mean that's that's right on the money, man. I love I love that. That's good, man. That's really good. If you were to uh, if you were to reach back, okay, and you know you're coming up on this 40th birthday, if you were to reach back and, and time travel and find your sort of 30 year old self or 25 year old self, what would you tell yourself? What would be that piece of advice that might set you up for greater success? Not necessarily regrets, but what would you do to give you? A, a little help during those the during that age you know I, I would have asked way more questions you know just question everything and and know uh know the what and the why both um and i, I think you know in in what we do it can be such an e-driven uh, profession man like look at me look what i can do and i think uh you know just the ability to learn to share to grow to, to live life together it, it would be to be more um, more pursuant, man. And I feel like already I ask a lot of questions, man. Um, but I I think it would just be to, to expose myself to as many different, uh, methodologies, philosophies, whatever you want to call it that, that I'd find, you know, um, I just think that it's so important to see how other people are doing it. It doesn't mean you have to do it that way, but it's important for us to, to just see what else is out there. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the idea of just trying to get exposed to different sort of modalities and philosophies, even if you don't agree with them. I think, you know, I tried to, as someone told me the advice of read a paper or something that you're interested in and then try to read a counterpoint to that said paper. And just to get different perspectives on on uh, differences of that continuum is, is an important trade and uh, adopt what you want and discard what you don't. And uh, you'll eventually make your own system into what what works with you individually, logistically, administratively, with the organization and the place that you're in. What we if uh, if a young coach or any coach, right? If if someone was traveling through maybe the Oregon area or the Portland area, um, or they're geographically bound, right? They're overseas or something. What's what's the best way that 
the audience could reach you or get in contact with you? Oh, man, for sure. I'm a big Twitter guy. Uh, and, and probably people think I'm on there 24 seven, but really, uh, I'm really meticulous about how I organize my day. So I wake up, you know, between five and six and, and I'll program a couple of tweets in, you know, based off what I'm re- reading and researching and, you know, listening to whatever. So it, it's all theme based. So one day you might find all, all stuff on psychology. The next day you might find stuff on, uh, training or questionnaires or whatever. Uh, but yeah, Twitter, Twitter, I, I don't really mess with Facebook. My Twitter's connected, but uh, it's at Hoop Diaries. Um, yeah, it's just kind of my journey, my, my life. Yeah, excellent. I, I'll make sure to include your social media Twitter handle in the show notes as well. But coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Decoding Excellence show and, and sharing your journey and your wisdom and just your thoughts on this performance model and and uh, and how you built it, how it's evolved and and to talk a little bit about asking better questions and and learning how to earn and building culture and this long-term athletic development approach to training athletes and and using technology to to position your athletes in a better system in a better place. Can't thank you enough for what you shared and and really hope that we can continue this dialogue and this conversation uh, in the future and and well past just an hour long uh, show here. Adam, it's been a blast, man. Uh, every, every time I get an opportunity to do stuff like this, I, I want to leave uh, leave something uh, for the host. So this is uh, I thought of you when I read this, and so I'm just going to read it to you. It's uh, a quote by James Mishner and uh, passed on to me by uh, one of my mentors, Kevin Carroll, who they call the catalyst. So uh, it says, the master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and recreation his love and his religion he hardly knows which is which he simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing to him he's always doing both and that my friend is you oh man i got a smile uh from ear to ear hearing that so there's no better way of uh ending (laughs) ending the show than that sir i am i am humbled i am uh privileged to get to spend some time with you and uh, thanks so much for coming on the, the show, man. I hope you uh, take care and, and good luck in the future and good luck in the next couple games here. You got it, Adam. Let's do it again, man. Appreciate you. I want to thank Performance Director of Liberty Men's Basketball, Coach Henry Barrera, for coming on the Decoding Excellence show. I personally took a lot away from this show. When Coach talked about the the need for developing a strong culture as it precedes technology and some of the performance uh, systems and strategies in this performance model really resonated with me. When he discusses some of his mentors and his own coaching pathway and journey into uh, performance training from Concordia to Nike to his now current position at Liberty, there's just a lot of information that is both on the surface and much deeper uh, in this conversation. So I wanted to thank Coach for coming on. And like always, this show is centered around having a conversation, a dialogue between two coaches to discuss the intangibles, the characteristics, the behaviors, the tools, the tactics, the techniques that goes into ultimately high-performance training and what it means to become excellent at your craft. 
to truly seek out mastery and to embrace the journey. And like always, if you enjoyed this show, please share it on your favorite social media of choice. And please go onto iTunes, leave us a review. This helps us uh, not only create better exposure for the show, but ultimately so that a young coach can browse iTunes and find the Decoding Excellence show and find some of the wisdom and find the great coaches that come onto this show. I would really appreciate your support. Like always, until next time, thank you.